0: But I I suppose if if I'm being more specific, I'm talking about being able to build on top of something when you're given the opportunity to express something. So I don't know. Perfect example is let's say mommy gives you something. You're in a good mood. Everything is going well. In that moment, she can use that time to capitalize, to ask you for something else. And I believe your word is an opportunist, right? They got your attention, you're not doing nothing. They ask you a question, what's going on? And your response is, I'm good. No, nothing's going on. They will then capitalize on this opportunity to express something that they want from you. So I'm saying like, what do you? how do you feel about moments when people take those opportunities when they see that you're not occupied and therefore one thing that they ask turns into multiple things that they're asking for you to accomplish or do.
1: Person, I'm less likely to listen to you. Okay. The reason being is because I understand what it is you're trying to do. If it's one thing, it's one thing, but to keep on adding on to multiple things, that's not going to really, leave a good lasting impression with me hello everyone this is the truth of the matter is this is episode number 56 i am your host daniel and of course i'm here with jonathan Speaking on behalf of myself and Jonathan, we want to say that we appreciate you for listening in today. And before we begin, we'd like to give a round of applause to all who decided to tune in. Whether this is episode one as a new listener or episode 56 as a loyal listener, we are honestly thankful, and I hope that you continue to press play during your free time.
0: Hello and welcome. This is Jonathan speaking. What we hope to continue to do on the Truth For The Matter's podcast is open up eyes and provide a biblical perspective while leaving the opportunity for hearts and minds to change, obviously through the inspired word of God. Now, before we begin, I think it's best that we start off with a prayer which I and Daniel agree that it's very important because we know that man does not do the saving nor the transformation. And I'll repeat that one more time. The truth of the matter is we know that man does not do the saving nor the transformation. That is reserved for God and God alone, all by himself. However, we do need to invite the Holy Spirit in to do the work. And if interested, allow us to point you to what we believe is the correct direction. So, we'll start off with praying. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask that you hear my heart on this when I say, I am thankful for you creating me. I am thankful for you loving me unconditionally. I am thankful for your word because with it, I've grown to know you better. I've built a better relationship with you from a personal and educational point of view. With it, I proclaim the gospel to the best of my own ability. With it, I've become much more loving, patient, and kind. From your word, Lord, I've learned so much that I can stand on my own two feet proudly. And, of course, with humbleness. I pray that everyone will experience you, ever you choose to reveal yourself to them. It won't be my testimony because it's personal, but I pray that everyone gets a chance to know you in whatever way helps them on their journey in this thing called life. As we turn to your word today, Lord, allow us to see what else you can school us on. I'll be first to say there's so much need for growth and understanding. Therefore, lead us all in the right mindset for clarity on what the topic will be for today. And with that being said, please, all in agreement, say, Amen. Amen. Yeah, now before we get started into the scripture, Danielle, I want to ask you, you know, I was been how you been, right? How you doing? But there's something that crossed my mind that I want to talk about. So last week was busy for me with this being the end of the work week. And, you know, something I'm just thankful for and I can say is that I started a new job back in December. And this coming Thursday will be the time period in which I'm thankful for God, who obviously provided me employment and helped me out tremendously. You know, it was during that time God knew I was in need and actually met my needs immediately. So, of course, God deserves all the glory, honor and praise because there is no one like him. Right. And as for what's next. We'll have to see. I know that I must continue to walk in faith. Keep my head up while using the new found wisdom I obtained in this new job that I started in December and it's coming to a close. This coming Thursday. Now. Lastly, I wanted to mention also, and I've seen this for a while now, and I haven't mentioned it or heard much people speak about it, but I want to see how you feel. So I want to throw this at you before. Did you know that? For quite some time now, the pharmacies, such as CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid, you know, they've been locking everything up, right? Hard pressed to believe it. but They've been creating these scenarios where, in order for you to get the basic necessities like shampoo, soap, you know, detergent, you have to press a button, wait for an employee to come so they can open it up. Same thing, medicines. It appears to me that they feel as though, you know, there's been probably a high value. Up shoplifters and as a result I've noticed this has been transpiring a lot in you know some of the communities our own communities in fact and it was interesting that this past week I went to a Rite Aid in Greenpoint which is a bit of more of a high esteem location right a higher place where people are making a bit more money higher scale living. And I didn't notice that there were locks on the freezers. I didn't notice that there were any places where you needed some assistance. Everything was free range. So that begs me to ask you the question. Like, right, What do you think of this? And do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen
2: this?
1: Yeah, I've definitely seen it. I want to go get my hair cut. Two weeks ago and funny enough the store manager that was at the rite aid i actually used to work for him because he was uh, the store manager at uh, one of my older jobs and he's explaining to me how the volume of theft has gone up in the area where people are just coming into the stores and just emptying out the freezers and the fridges or stealing different items from within the store and i noticed especially in like minority areas that has been like a trend with everything being locked up and then you have to call ask for assistance and i think it's funny how instead of hiring somebody who is able to secure the premises and be able to take action you must rather lock everything up and try to hand people things that they want which you know i find that very funny Cause it's like instead of just investing into the solution, you rather get locks and everything else under the sun. So it also shows like the state of society in which we are in and the economics, where you know the price of everything is going up. Uh, more people are having a harder time providing for their families. It's much harder to even be able to get uh, rent paid and basic necessities so i'm not surprised that uh places like pharmacies and uh cvs walgreens as you mentioned rite aid uh these companies i'm not sure if these are nationwide companies but in new york at least they are taking these steps and measures to protect their assets it doesn't surprise me but also with if everything's changing there's not really much that's meant to help the little guy so yeah companies have to do what they have to do the same way uh people who need to make a living or provide a living for themselves need to do what they have to do.
2: Okay. Very true. I I just felt like, you know, it's a it's a slap to
0: the face <laughs> that we kind of need permission to gain access to things that we want in a store and it's really insulting that that's what they've reserved You know, that's what they've decided to do. But I totally understand everything that you're saying and the reasoning behind it. I just haven't seen any articles that's expressing that. Now, there was one article back in 2020 where. You know, they were talking about the need for locking up women's hair products, and they've ever since then, they don't seem to be locked up. But as you stated, so eloquently. The freezers and everything are locked up. Like you can't get the ice cream. You
1: can't get anything without getting permission Oh, no. From the store. See, that's the funny thing. I write it. They even locking that up. Really? Yeah. Literally everything was locked up.
0: There uh-huh. wasn't
1: anything that wasn't locked up. Nah, honestly, think about it besides the stuff behind the counter. But like I said, it's only going to get more violent in these type of areas where it's like, now you're denying me access to the things that are, are a necessity. So, you know, my prediction is you're going to end up starting to get robberies, uh, people breaking into stores after hours. You can only deny people so long when it comes to getting basic necessities and whether that comes to people needing to flip things or like companies are going to have to either start charging less for their products or there needs to be some type of change or help towards the the little guy. And hopefully that change does come. But if it doesn't, you know, consequences are consequences. And I don't blame anybody who does what is a necessity. So, okay. That's just my personal. Well,
0: great analysis and some feedback because I've only looked at it in a negative way, still appreciating and understanding the values of what belongs to the store. Just we're looking at it from a psychological perspective as a shopper who doesn't have to go and instill and how it looks on us that live in the community. It's it's very sad, but sometimes you have to do what you have to do to protect what belongs to you and to make a profit. So it is what it is. And like you said, yes, the pandemic is not yet over yet. There's still so much things going on. We're living in an era now where the culture and what's happening in the culture is expanding. Right. The road versus Wade case occurred. And there's so much things and adjustments are being made. People are going to be migrating from one location to the next. Governments are going to be challenged. It's going to be so much going on state to state with the newfound law where people are going to be going to places where they can get stuff accomplished. So be excited and interested to see what's going on. But God's still on the throne. He can still bless you in spite of what's happening around you. So all we need to do is continue to have faith and exercise that faith. And I believe that we can still be blessed in the middle of a storm. So on that note, we are continuing with the Gospel of Luke series and we are taking a deep look into a parable Jesus brings up. Now, what's interesting is the way that Jesus introduces the parable that I don't want us to miss, you know, for better comprehension. I want us to revisit the last. Sentence from last week in the text that we use, right, because it's critical, because Jesus provided the parable, obviously, for a specific reason. So in my humble opinion, when it comes to being an effective communicator, the way you transition from one point to the next has to be smooth and slick What without it, you know, being noticeable. So when I look at when I looked at a few translations in my study, I saw that the message Bible, along with the NLT, provided a beautiful, seamless transition. So you can see what Jesus process was or frame of mind was. So let's go and revisit the verse from last week before we transition into the text for this week. We're going to go back to the the message Bible first. We're going to look at Luke 19. And we're going to look at verses 9 through 10.
1: Jesus said, Today is salvation's day in this home. Here he is, Zacharias, son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost.
0: So last week, we defined salvation as the deliverance of the soul from sin and its consequence. Which is why Jesus speaks of himself as the one who restores and saves while also destroying the wall of hostility. Because Jew and Gentile,
2: right, are declaring to be separate at one point because they were separate, right? Jews
0: and the practices of religious, religiosity was in the Jewish culture. Gentiles are everybody else outside of that. But what we see here is that Christ destroys the world of hostility. So we are no longer operating under religious rule.
2: But we are operating within the new covenant, which allows us all to have faith. And if we all have
0: faith, we are children of Abraham, who Abraham was the first to exercise faith. And because of that, he's the forefather. And that's why we are all being saved and entitled to the promise of being the heir of parents, which allows us all to be seen in God's sight as one nation. Right now, let's go to the first verse of today's passage. And I want us to highlight the transition in both the message and the NLT Bible. Let's start off first with the message Bible. And we're going to look at verse 11.
1: Daniel. While he had their attention. And because they were getting close to Jerusalem by this time, and expectations were building that God's kingdom would appear any minute, he told this story.
0: So, Message Bible expresses that Jesus knew that their attention was totally on him. And with that, Jesus took advantage and obviously shared the parable with them, which was very critical and masterful. Let's talk a little bit about what we can learn from this tactic, right? The power of having someone's attention in a given moment could be a huge difference between getting your message across or accomplish something the way you want it to happen, right? When you don't have someone's undivided attention, the message or the task and the hopes of it being fulfilled perfectly, right, can be at some extent a fantasy. Any comments, Daniel? Thoughts? about getting someone's attention and being able to accomplish what you need versus not having a person's attention and seeing the outcome play out in a way where it appears that they missed something or they didn't do it to the full extent of their ability.
1: I think I just want to add to something that might be missing here is it's not so much just about how he's conveying the message, but it's also shows how jesus was as a person his or his character how he carried himself was one of the things and the way he lived his life was one of the things that even allowed him to gain attention from people so it wasn't that what he always says is impressive it is but it's also that he and himself is impressive
2: okay But I I suppose if
0: if I'm being more specific, I'm talking about being able to build on top of something when you're given the opportunity to express something. So I don't know. Perfect example is, let's say mommy gives you something. You're in a good Mm -hmm. mood. Everything is going well. In that moment, she can use that time to capitalize, to ask you for something else. And I believe your word is an opportunist, right? They got your attention. You're not doing nothing. You, they ask you a question. What's going on? And your response is, I'm good. No, nothing's going on. They will then capitalize on this opportunity to express something that they want from you. So I'm saying, like, what do you how do you feel about moments when people take those opportunities when they see that you're not occupied and therefore one thing that they ask turns into multiple things that they're asking for you to accomplish
1: less or do. Person, I'm less likely to listen to you. Okay. The reason being is because I understand what it is you're trying to do. If it's one thing, it's one thing. But to keep on adding on to multiple things, that's not going to really... Leave a good lasting impression with me mm. that's just me personally okay, but like I said, uh, I was only trying to add to uh what was initially said
2: okay, so
0: yeah, I'm just pointing to the fact that Jesus knowing that he had their attention, uses as an opportunity for him to have a teacher moment with them along with the fact that they were so attentive. now, I want to look at this in the NLT and again verse 11 and how it was expressed there in that translation?
1: The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said. And because he was near in Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God will begin right away.
0: Just like what we see in the message Bible, the people are attentive to every word coming from the mouth of Christ. He got their attention. But what I see that is provided in NLT that I don't see in any other translation is the explanation to why Jesus told the parable. The key word that gets vocalized is impression. Right. The scripture says that he told them a story to correct their impression that the kingdom of God would begin would begin right away. So let's look up the term impression. What does it say, Daniel?
1: Impression, an idea, feeling or opinion about something or someone, especially one form without conscious thought on the basis of little evidence.
0: So I find that to be beautiful and This provides the reason why Jesus told a parable in the first place. He told us that he could correct the assumptions that people had about the kingdom and its time of arrival. This is also the reason why reading other translations is important and why reading before and after sentences helps with the context. Now, I want us to put our focus back on the message Bible. And I want us to understand the parable first. Then I want to show you a few things in the Amplified Bible. Okay. So Daniel, could you read the parable in Luke 19 verses 12 through 27 in the message Bible?
1: There was once a man descended from a royal house who needed to make a long trip back to headquarters to get authorization for his rule and then return. But first, he called 10 servants together. Gave them each a sum of money, and instructed them, Operate with this until I return. But the citizens there hated him. So they sent a commission with a signed petition to oppose his rule. We don't want this man to rule us. When he came back bringing the authorization of his rule, he called those ten servants to whom he had given the money to find out how they had done. The first said, Master, I doubled your money. He said, Good servant, great work, because you've been trustworthy in this small job. I'm making you governor of ten towns. The second said, Master, I made a 50% profit on your money. He said, I'm putting you in charge of five towns. The next servant said, Master, here's your money safe and sound. I kept it hidden in the cellar. To tell you the truth, I was a little afraid. I know you have high high standards and hate sloppiness and don't suffer fools gladly. He said, you're right that I don't suffer fools gladly and you acted the fool. Why didn't you at least invest the money in security so I would have gotten a little interest on it? Then he said to those standing there, Take the money from him and give it to the servant who doubled my stake. And they said, but master, he has already doubled. He said, that's what I mean. Risk your life and get more than you ever dreamed of. Play it safe and end up holding the bag. As for these enemies of mine who petitioned against my rule, clear them out of here. I don't want to see their faces around here again. Yeah, so the reason why I
0: suggested that we read the message Bible first was to understand the story in the simplest way, right? there's anything you must get that's understanding before we can start to search for the text from a much more deeper depth
2: of knowledge, right? This is why, you know, when it comes to studying God's word, it's all about the time that you put in. And the process that comes out of it
0: Right God will continue to reveal More and more to you As long as you continue to have That desire to study yourself approved This is also why I say That you don't always have to stick With the King James Version When you read a version That you can understand I would say you stick with that first. That version That's why I started with the NIV That was my first version And then I've grown to learn and appreciate what was written in the other translations. So let's sum up what was said in the message Bible. We know that there was a descendant from a royal family who gave money to 10 servants from the city who he planned to rule over he told them to go and operate with it now the term to operate in this context is to bring about a desired or appropriate effect by having a certain influence interesting right which means there's an expectation on how things should go with the use of wisdom and the money that was given what we see next is a rebellious attitude by the citizens that didn't want this royal descendant ruler Who was ruling over them. So they made arrangements to challenge that. The question that I had. Is that there were 10 servants. Who were given money to operate. Why do we only hear about. Three of them. Does that mean that the seven were. That were among them. The religious. I would say the rebellious crowd as a result. Did they take the money. And act selfishly with it. The story doesn't specify. What the other seven did with the money. We only hear about three again. We only hear about three. We can only surmise potentially that the seven who didn't agree were rebellious and did what they want with it. What we do learn, however, is one servant produced equal amount of what was given. So he was rewarded with 10 cities. We know that the second servant produced half of what was given and he was rewarded with five cities. And one did absolutely nothing but hold on to it while also making unwanted comments by being critical of the royal descendant ruler. Right? Doesn't mention, again, the remaining seven. The Message Bible concludes that the royal descendant tells the rest who rebelled against him to leave his presence. Now, that was a simple way of telling the story. What we can learn out of the Message Bible. Is what is said in verse 26. And what does it
1: say Daniel? Risk your life and get more than you ever dreamed of. Play it safe and end up holding the bag. So
0: that's an interesting takeaway from the message Bible. Now here are my thoughts to the message Bible explanation. Right. And I'm going to use wisdom to interpret this. Life is full of opportunities. Good and bad. It's up to the individual to discern that. Life is all about risks you take versus the ones you stay neutral
2: on. In life, you will hit on some things and lose on other things. Everyone I believe has or still inquire. This is an example I'm going to
0: give you. Everyone I believe has or still inquire on a possible date idea or restaurant option when it comes to date. Guess what? There's a risk to that. Someone may like Italian, the other not so much. Someone may want a burger, the other may be a vegetarian. The point here, folks, is there's a risk and there's a hope that both parties can be on the same page. So maybe you didn't get that example. Here's another example. How about a basketball analogy? You have two outcomes when you shoot the basketball. Either it's going in or you're going to miss it. The reality is you make some, you miss some. That's part of the game. The goal and the point is to take the shots instead of never shooting. Therefore, what happens if you don't never shoot? You won't know the outcome. The
2: idea is you can't be afraid to fail because failure is a part of life. What do you think, Daniel?
1: If you don't mind, I want to just add a little point since we're talking about sports here. I believe it was Michael Jordan who said that he missed more than 9,000 shots in his career. The man lost 300 games 26 times. And he's been entrusted to take that game-winning shot. Uh, I think that was 26 times and he missed. And it's because he failed over and over again in his life that is the main reason he succeeded. Okay. It's a great point. Same thing with, you know, Kobe Bryant. He always says, There is no such thing as failure. What does that even mean? Uh, It just means there was an interview that he did with a, a talk show host, and she said, So, you mean to tell me that if you didn't get any of the championships or teammates, would it mean anything to you? And Kobe's response was, I just learned many ways to not have a failing team. So she was like, So, I'm going to tell my boss next time that the ratings and stuff is low for the talk show that, you know, I've learned. And he's like, you're, you're absolutely right. You learned how to make a show that doesn't suck. Huh. So if you take the time to learn from each mistake or each failure, it's not really a loss. It's just a learning experience.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's an adjustment. That's a great job there. I like the quote that you use as well. So, Let's look at the same text, but the amplified version. So this is again, Luke 19, and we're going to look at verses 12 to 27.
1: While they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and they assumed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately as soon as he reached the city. So he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to attain for himself a kingdom and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas, one apiece, each equal to about a hundred days wage, and said to them, Do business with this until I return. But his citizens, the residents of his new kingdom, hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to be a king over us. When he returned, after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these servants to whom he had given the money be called to him, that he might find out what business they had done. The first one came before him and said, Lord, your money has made ten more. Lord, your man has made ten more meas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you prove yourself faithful and trustworthy in very little things, you shall now have authority over ten cities in my kingdom. The second one, the second one came and said, Lord, Yemen has made five Minas. And he says to him also, You shall take charge over five cities. And then another came and said, Lord, "'Here is your Mina, which I have kept laid up in a handkerchief for safekeeping. "'I was always afraid of you because you are a stern man. "'You pick up what you did not lay down and you reap what you did not sow.' "'He said to the servant, "'I will judge and condemn you by your own words, you worthless servant. "'Did you really know that I was a stern man?' Picking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow. Then why did you not, at the very least, put my money in a bank? Then on my return, I will have collected it with interest. Then he said to the bystanders, Take the mean away from him and give it to the one who has the ten minas." And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas already. Jesus explained, I tell you that to everyone who has because he values his gifts from God and has used them wisely more will be given but from the one who does not have because he disregarded his gifts from God even what he has will be taken away the king ended by saying but as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them bring them here and killed them in my presence. Different.
0: Breakdown right. Wouldn't you agree Dave. Absolutely. <laughs> so when we look at the amplified version. Instead of. The descendant from a, a royal home. We see a nobleman. Now a noble man is a man of noble rank. Title or status. Which is similar to. A descendant of a royal home. When we go to verse 13, however, this is where we see a distinct message. In the message Bible, the servants are told to operate, which I already expressed is to bring about a desire or appropriate effect by having a certain influence. Keyword is influence, very important. When we look at the Amplified Version in verse 13, the servants are told to do business. So let's take a pause here and reflect on what is required to do good business. I suppose you need a product, right? You need good service. You need decent relationships. You need a communicator. And how about a plan of action? That's important. And finally, you need money. Now, based on the scripture, in both translations, the servants were provided with enough wages to make things happen. As a reminder, what does it say? Daniel in verse 13 in the Amplified.
1: He called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 mina, one apiece, each equal to about 100 days wages. So they had at least 100 days
0: wages to make something happen. So let's go back to some of the suggestions I came up with off the top of my head. Right. I came up with five requirements to do business. Right. And make things happen. So I say you need a product now when it comes to the product, don't you need someone intelligent enough to create the idea that requires someone who is knowledgeable while also gifted and has an eye for creativity? I also said you need good service. Well, that takes devoted individuals to work hard and it takes people to believe in your messaging and vision while requiring. Why that requires servicing, that's a gift. Everyone doesn't have the patience to deal and work with others, right? You need decent relationships. Well, that's not easy, right? You got to get people who you trust, or you got to get people who they trust. That takes skill followed by good character and honesty and an impeccable image. You need a communicator. Well, that requires having the ability to articulate your words in a way that must be received respectfully and effectively. And as I said. How about a plan of action that takes someone who has the managed skills, right? Has the patience to create structured scheduling to fit people's lives while also being creative enough to map out the vision on a paper providing a prototype. that said vision so it's safe to say that you need people who are gifted skilled talented and people around you to make that vision to come true so you honestly can't do it alone you need a team of gifted skilled talented individuals who are all for your cause so before jesus left and i'm gonna take this in a different direction so what we see here right is that the normal man provided the service with money and then allow them to go about how they would do business. He gave them the option. I'm going to provide you with the finances, which is one of the things I suggested. So that's one less thing that you need. Now let me see your skill set. Let me see your ability to go out with the money and make something and do something. And as a result, we saw the man... That was given a certain amount, he matched it. And we saw another man that was given, he matched half of it. That's good business. Now, what I want to provide here is a biblical example of what God has done, right? With the same concept. So, before Jesus left to go back to heaven, what did he do to help the church? Well, let's go to the scripture Ephesians 4. Verse 7
2: through 16.
0: And we're gonna read this in the amplified version.
2: Daniel.
1: Yet grace, God's undeserved favor, was given to each one of us, not indiscriminately, but in different ways, in proportion to the measure of Christ's rich and abundant gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, He led captivity captive, and he bestowed gifts on men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had previously descended from the heights of heaven into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended in the very same as he who also has ascended high above all the heavens, that his presence might fill all things, that is, the whole universe, and his gifts to the church were varied, and he himself appointed some as apostles, special messengers, representatives, some as prophets who speak a new message from God to the people, some as evangelists who spread the good news of salvation, and some as pastors and teachers, to shepherd and guide and instruct. And he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people, for works of service, to build up the body of Christ, the church, until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God growing spiritually, to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting His spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity so that we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine, by the cunning and trickery of unscrupulous men, by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit, but speaking the truth in love, in all things, both our speech and our lives expressing his truth. Let us grow up in all things into him, following his example, who is the head Christ. From him, the whole body, the church, and all its various parts, joined, knitted firmly together by every joint supplies. When each part is working properly, causes the body to grow and mature, building itself up in unselfish love. Great job, Daniel. So, the point
0: of this passage was for us to see that God had a plan for us in order that we may flourish and fulfill His goal as great representatives of Him. Just like the servants, God's people were equipped to go and do business for the kingdom. There are churches all around the world with great structure to do business for the Lord, and that's with the gifts that God provided them. Another text that I want us to look at is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7 through 11 which builds up more on this idea of what god left so that we could be equipped to do business and help save souls for the kingdom daniel
1: the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gift of healings by the same spirit. To another, the workings of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kind of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually As he wills.
0: Great job, Daniel. Great job, Daniel. All done by the Holy Spirit in the heart of the believer, right? The truth of the matter is, we all have gifts, skills, talents, and abilities, right? In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 17 of NIV, it
1: says Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the Heavenly Lights, who does not change like shifting shadows.
0: Can all, if we also want to dig a little deeper, we'll go to Romans eleven twenty nine. It this says it says this thing.
1: God does not take back his gifts. He does not change his mind about those he has chosen. So I want you to know that gifts
0: are without repentance, right? Gifts are without repentance. I also want to be clear about something. There's a huge difference between gifts and talents, right? Yet both can be used for the kingdom and are given from God. Spiritual gifts are given only to those who are saved. As as we read in Corinthians Ephesians, right? It's more about the Lord's work, right? And natural talents are received by those who are saved and not saved. Right. Both are blessings from God. Gifts come from the spirit to elevate the church. As we mentioned in Ephesians and Corinthians, talents are expressions that can be used to glorify and acknowledge God for what he has given you. Right. So keep in mind what you choose to do with that talent as a representative of Christ. Right. The eyes and feet of Christ, because that's what you are when you're saved and you're a believer, you represent Christ. Do you not know that you can reach those who are fans of
2: you and yet aren't saved? Do you not realize that you are a model for Christ and operating with Christ-like behavior is so important?
0: Let's also be clear that, yes, talent can be inherited, right? It can be inherited. Great examples of that is Steph Curry and Dell Curry, both basketball players, Like father, like son. Archie Manning, he has two sons, Eli and Peyton. And now they have another brother, I believe. It's Arch Manning,
2: from what I've heard. He actually committed to Texas. When you think about it, right? Yes, talent can be developed with continuous practice, right?
0: There's no harm in that because... From what I've heard, in order to truly master something, you have to put in over 10,000 hours, right?
2: Another thing I want to make mention of when we look back at the parable is that there are people out there who,
0: whether they're saved or not saved, have the ability to change lives. A few that come to mind that. Through their profession, they invested, right? The whole concept of this parable is to understand the value of investment. And I look at Kevin Hart, right? Started off as a comedian and he's grown other ventures, right? He's, he has a movie venture. He's invested in anime. He's invested into other people who are comics and giving them an opportunity for TV shows. I think of Steve Harvey. He's another one. He's another comic. He's invested in so much. He's made so much money. He's provided so many other people with opportunities. He took what he had invested in. I think of Brandon Marshall as another one. He was a football player. He invested in a podcast called I Am Athlete. Now he has a facility where he works on people's mental health while also giving athletes a platform to express themselves and a podcast about some of the things that we don't know behind the scenes. These are individuals that start off one way, made a living in their profession, took the money that they have invested, and we see it all around our communities, right? There are black and white individuals that had an idea for a restaurant or an idea. Uber is another one, right? They took it, they created an app, they invested in it, and out of that, it blew up. Again, in life, you a hit or miss opportunity, but I want people to understand the value of investing in yourself and an idea in something. Me and Daniel also, we invested in this idea for this podcast. We wanted it to be a help to people all around the world who will listen and find other ways of studying the Bible, make it interesting and in applying it. I want people to see that the concept of your gifts talents and abilities can be operated and be put to good use for a purpose and when i look back on how we have access to create to provide the music for the background of the scriptures the logo it was other people who were talented and gifted and skilled that played a part because they believed in what we were trying to do and that's why we're still here for over a year. And that's why some businesses have grown. That's why some businesses have exceeded expectations. And now they're making a profit. So I want us to look at what we can learn from this parable in the Amplified Bible version. Just like what we read in the message. Right. So we're going to go to verse 26 and i am let Daniel take it away.
1: Jesus explained I tell you that to everyone who has, because he value his gifts from God and has used them wisely, more will be given. But from the one who does not have, because he disregarded his gifts from God, even what he has will be taken away. The king ended by saying, But as for these enemies of mine who do not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in my presence. Great job, Daniel. So in regards
0: to people who value their gifts, right, we look no further than Al Sharpton, right? He's valued his gift because he fights for others. He's also an amazing communicator and he knows how to galvanize people for the cause because of the injustice that goes on. Right. And the point is, is that these gifts that are used wisely is used for a purpose to fight, not just for yourself, but for other people or for a need. Right. These are some of the things that I want people to focus in on. Yes, this is a parable about finances, but this is in order for something to be able to grow and have an impact. You need people to come along with you. You need others so that the work doesn't just fall on yourself. This is not a one man army. Right in the scriptures, it says that one person can put 2000 out to fight, but two people can put 10,000 out to fight. Strength is in numbers. Also, I want you to notice in the Amplified version, the citizen who opposed the noble man were killed. Why in the Message Bible they were sent out of his presence. That's a big difference. Probably more to lessen the idea that the Message Bible gave more of a basic simple explanation. While the Amplified the Amplified version along with the English Standard, along with the King James, maybe the English the English Standard version, the NLT, they provide more of a more serious outcome that happens. But I want you to see the difference in the message that's being across. In the Message Bible, you understood the message a little bit more clearer to the story. When you look at the amplified the English Standard version of King James is more specific to what the outcome is, but it specifies some of the more harsher realities that probably transpired at the time. So here are my final thoughts. Right? The gifts, talents, and abilities we inherit Or develop or receive from the spirit. Can be used in the world for good. Without question. It's all about how we use it. Same thing with money. Money doesn't have to be evil. I'm going to repeat that one more time. Money doesn't have to be evil. If we use it wisely and carefully. Because money could be a problem solver. But at the same time. Yes it can destroy us. If we don't have a way of managing it well. And your gifts, talents, and abilities. You were given God gave those things to you for a reason. The purpose is throughout life, you have to find out what your purpose is and what you're gifted with. And sometimes being able to thrive in what you're gifted is takes time. Therefore, you use the skills and necessities where the market declares and you can find other forms of employment. Something I've told Daniel so Daniel so much. He's a great editor and creator, and prior before this podcast ever came to existence, he was creating videos and everything else before me. There are other podcasters and businesses that can use those skill sets. So I say that you may not be thriving in the place that you hope to finally be, but that doesn't mean that you can't use the skill sets and abilities that you have to still make a living. Still make a side hustle, still do everything else that you that you can do to make money on the side. Right. And guess what? God doesn't allow any of those things to go to waste. So for me, serving and doing food delivery as much as I've done, it has allowed me to be more patient and understanding when it comes to communicating with people. Right. Having to do certain things that some people look at as a job that they think they would never take on. Something in your character is growing in that aspect. So you have to allow yourself to to let that take its course so that you can learn something from it and apply it in the next venture. The job that I'm leaving Thursday, I learned so much about being in a corporate space. I haven't been in a corporate space for a long time because I've been independent contractor for such a long time. But during that period in time, I learned what it was to be a part of a committed scheduling in which I had access to do what I want prior to that. And I still do my other job, but use these different skill sets that you could learn why being a part of something that, you know, may be temporarily and you never know, it'll play a huge role in the next thing that God has for you and you're learning. So before we go on devotion, I want to give Daniel the opportunity to say anything that he think needs
2: to be said about this topic.
1: I really don't have too much to add. I think you covered everything. Um, I just want to say, let's make sure that we also take those gifts and do something with it for other people as well. And I think that's the best way to lead into devotion today. That in Peter chapter 4, verse 10, each of you should use whatever gifts you have Receive to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. It's not enough to just have a talent, it's about using that talent and those gifts and abilities that you inherit in order to do good in the lives of others. We can take social media as an example. Most people's online posts is to prove the things that they are best at, and what is happening to them. And it contains information that draws attention to their greatest qualities or achievements. There's nothing wrong with celebrating good things and that are happening in our lives. but our celebrations of self, especially social media, filters no bad days and never depicts the flaws and casualties and things, the, the frustrations, the, the wrongdoings, You normally take selfies and post them to show the places you've been and the people you've met. But what if you were to focus on pointing out the good things happening in the lives of others? The opportunities to use social media for encouragement are greater than you often realize. And God always plans for you to invest in others beyond yourself. Don't forget to invest in other people and to reach out to your family, friends, and others whose lies may never fit into a standard, shiny social media profile. Be a faithful steward of your gifts. So we say this really small prayer, and I think it could be sounded up in one sentence. God, break me free from the me-first tendencies of modern society, so that I may seek ways to encourage and inspire others with my gifts, talents, and abilities. Allow the skill that I have to work for the kingdom, and to work to those who are trying to enter the kingdom. Allow me to be a impact in all who meet me. And that I can be an, ex- an effective giver.